0: Hello there. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. Hello there. Welcome to a podcast about Star Wars Shatterpoint and the Star Wars universe. My name is Jesse Aiken I'm joined by my co-host Mon Kusro. How are we doing today, Mon? We're doing well. We are excited.
1: And honestly, man, I am, for once, just happy to not travel. For once.
0: For once. Except, we both got some travel coming up very soon. Yeah, that's true. Don't remind me. Yeah, we talked about that on the Candy Cantina, which is very exciting, but we can touch on it briefly, Irman, because, I mean, obviously, you and I are going to hang out in person and maybe even do some Shatterpoint stuff, maybe, at this, but both mod and I are playing for the USA teams for WTC in October. That's very exciting. So that's coming up around the corner. So lots of big travel for that because that's all the way in Denmark. Yeah,
1: we're going to Copenhagen, which is very exciting. Also, I came back from Nova. So if you're interested in listening to my recap there, you can listen to our Candid Cantina, which is yep. our bonus episodes. I'm not going to spend too much time today talking about it just because we've got a pretty packed episode. But the highlights here, it was a lot of fun. I had some goals in MCP. I was able to achieve those, and I got to play some Point. And I networked a lot and hung out with a lot of cool people from multiple game systems. And it was a ton of fun. It was like the first time I went without trying to like no life a tournament. And I highly recommend doing that for at least one of your cons because I just had a lot of fun hanging out and getting very drunk. Excellent. And you're basically saying when you mean no life a tournament, what I mean by that is like practice nonstop for weeks leading up to the event, like getting super tense when I'm at the event, like. Oh, I won't drink tonight because I want to like wake up refreshed and like I have to be optimal. Yeah. Wake up early. Yeah. Chug your water bottles. Like none do of that. these steps. Yeah. I chug. was waking up honestly one day, 15 minutes before the event and then running down the hotel, you know, trying to make sure I could make it. And I enjoyed it. But
0: not to say that I haven't tried hard at events before. I will. I have. But this one was just different. Well said. If you guys are a patron at that bonus feed level, definitely check out that episode because. Amon goes in great detail a lot about his games and some of his experiences there. And we also talk more about our plans for WTC, how we're planning to get there and stuff like that. So definitely check that out. But Amon, today we're back in it. We're back in a box episode and it's pretty exciting. It's one of the most important characters in all of Star Wars. So it's one of those big episode days to me, it feels like. But a slight deviation, and we'll talk about that in lore, but this is a snapshot of Padme. This is not Senator Padme. This is Queen Amidala who's a separate entity in some ways than Padme, which is very cool. And I'm really excited to talk about her in lore shortly. I'm very excited too. I was genuinely surprised when they announced
1: this box. I thought, you know, every time I see Padme in a game, it's usually episode two Padme, right? Yeah. yeah. Fighting in the Coliseum in, on Geonosis. So. Or even very, like Clone Wars Padme, right? After that, shortly. Yeah. Where she kind of rocks the white outfit a lot. Always. Consistently. Yeah. So very excited to see not only... Padme but then Sabe right who's extremely exciting the handmaidens with their unique and colorful clothing and I thought it was a great choice I think from a hobby perspective people are going to have a field day and I think from a gaming perspective everyone's going to experience something very unique because correct me if I'm wrong but at least in recent history I haven't seen any miniature Star Wars game or most games in general they kind of avoid this version of Padme because obviously older Padme is more battle-hardened and you know Easier Padme to play with or design, I'm assuming. So this was very cool to see. And then also it gives me hope that we'll get Qui-Gon and
0: Padawan Obi-Wan. Took the words out of my mouth, yeah. It, it gives me hope, too, that we'll get like those guys and then maybe one day even some Gungans and just kind of have a full-on Naboo conflict part of pre-The Clone Wars, right? Because clearly yeah. they're willing to go into the Naboo conflict, which is pre-The Clone Wars, And to a lot of the haters out there who don't like this concept, I say you're wrong because I think this this shows that AMG is willing to explore spaces before and after the Clone Wars, right? That are Clone Wars adjacent, right? Because the Naboo Conflict, of course, was one of the first dominoes in Sidious's plan to start the Clone Wars, right? So I would love to see even like a Gungan box too, like Captain Tarpaul's primary, Jar Jar secondary, some Gungan infantry supports, you know what I mean? And then you could just run like a full Naboo centric thing and have your own little episode one game and then drop in Obi-Wan or Qui-Gon and whatever spots they fit in, in or out. I think it makes a lot of sense. So time will tell. I mean, inversely to him, We could even get the rest of Padme's guards, you know, because Panaka, he's going to come up in lore a lot today. Panaka, all of the lore, great security officer, leader of the Naboo people. You never know. I mean, he's got his whole security force as well, but I would love to see them explore more spaces like this. Even leaving Nabu behind, I think this just shows a creativity that AMG is willing to pursue, jump in little pockets of Star Wars, not necessarily like only the main stuff.
1: Yep, completely agree. I'm very excited and one can hope for another version of Maul as well as maybe, you know, I would love
0: to even see a Senator Powell. Pa- Ooh, yeah. That could be cool too. Obviously, like you said, Sidious and secondary mall. come on, just makes itself, right? Oh, that but- could be cool too, yeah. Oh man, this is just good stuff. But before we get into our Lord today, Day, on, we got a little bit of business to attend to. So we've been doing the Shatterpoint course set giveaway, and now it's finally time to close this out and hopefully start a new one coming up at some point. We really appreciate you guys jumping on, following this, clicking on this link. The link is going to stay in our podcast notes. Once again, always helpful to click on this link, save it as your main Shatterpoint go to link. It helps us out with AMG. They like people to go through this link for our show and to set up future endeavors and giveaways you guys been doing that and following us on social media so we did the randomizer website i'm on and it's going to pick someone from the combination of our social media patreon and who's been clicking on this link play random but obviously we said you get more entries if you do more of those things
1: that's right anyone can win this regardless if they're a patron or not we're very excited while the odds aren't necessarily equal because again patrons and individuals who clicked on the link and follow us will Spike their percentage chance of winning. At the end of the day, even if you have one entry, you can win. So I'm very excited to see who gets it. And I'm clicking the button now. Okay. So very proud to announce the winner of our Star Wars Shatterpoint Corset giveaway is Kyle. Congrats, Kyle. Congrats, Kyle. We will reach out to you privately and we will get this set up for you so that you can receive this. In the mail so everyone who participated thank you so much we really appreciate it and kyle congratulations again i'm sure we'll be doing more giveaways in the future and we'll keep you posted when we
0: do all right sounds great on. well of course we've got a couple other people to thank today hello there is supported by mr laser at mr-laser.square.site your resource for everything shatterpoint of course you can use our code hello there five to get five percent off your orders of mr Laser. The more people that use the code, the more it helps us out and Mr. Laser. So use that code to get more discounts on top of his already incredibly discounted Shatterpoint product on his website.
1: Yeah, very excited. You get some huge savings in conjunction with what he's already offering plus our code. Great point. We also have an amazing partnership with Imperial Terrain, the premier manufacturer of Star Wars Tabletop Terrain. Works great for Shatterpoint and Legion. Highly recommend you check them out. Had the opportunity to meet John at Nova, which was amazing to put a face to the name. Very kind Incredible. individual. And was doing a lot for his community by supporting some of the Star Wars events with his personal terrain, which was cool. It looks really good. There's a lot of things you can do with it. We've mentioned it multiple times on previous episodes, but you can really vary up your design of your tables. And of course, there's some modularity between what he's producing and what came in the Star Wars Shadowpoint core box. So check them out and use the code hellothere5 all lowercase no spaces with the number 5 for a discount on his
0: digital products. Absolutely. Of course, our patrons support hellothere at patreon.com/hellotherecast. If you enjoy the show, consider supporting us and getting access to our private Discord community. We thank all of our patrons for their support and speaking of that patron private community I'm on where we've got the hello there league in full swing. We have got a lot of cool stuff going on the hobby channel and we just did our first giveaway for imperial terrain for a particular patron so it's all good stuff that you get access to joining the patron discord that happen not only every month but every week quite frankly i mean the league right now it's been a lot of fun to hang out
1: and just chit chat play some great games and again as we mentioned on a previous episode like sometimes i don't have to say anything i can just kind of read and emote because our community is just so vocal with one another and supportive which is nice so, thanks to our patrons. And speaking of patrons, this is a perfect time, I'm sure, to thank our current patrons. And if you'd like to support us, you can support us at Patreon.com/slash Hello there. And we're going to take this time to thank all of our new patrons. So we'll start with the Padawan Acolyte tier level, and this is Kimberly, Rabbit Rabbit, and Kyle. And then at the Jedi Knight Sith Warrior tier, we have Phil, Michael, Nathan, Dusty Hobbies, and. Last but not least, we have another executive producer, one who has brought balance to the Force, not destroyed it. And this is the Grand Master slash
0: Sith Emperor tier. Huge round of applause and thank you to Brendan Mills. Thank you, Brendan. You did mention the Force has been balanced, Amon. That's because this person has chosen the Light and they have chosen Grand Master. So now we have a Sith Emperor and a Grand Master in constant conflict. So... Obviously, our shadow right now to Sith Emperor Kevin, but also Sith Emperor Kevin, you've got competition, you know, the force Mm -hmm. is being balanced out. It's not quite maybe the Galactic Empire running everything anymore. Time will tell. We'll see.
1: We'll see, indeed. I think a Yoda showed up. Well, depends on which version of Yoda. Either way, (laughs) Yoda lost to Sidious, right? So I will say this, Kevin, Brendan, thank you so much. We really appreciate your support, the both of you. And we're very excited that no matter what side of the force you choose, or even if you decide to forsake the force and be a bounty hunter, we still support you. And, and we thank you so much. It's honestly incredible. Like two
0: executive producers, that's insane. Absolutely insane. I don't know what to say about that. I mean, it's just an incredible thing. So you guys make this show legitimately happen. You guys are helping us actively pay our bills and get all the things done with the show that we want to get done. So we really appreciate it. All right, I'm on. Let's jump right into lore today with Queen Padme. Amidala. Jumping off point here, Padme's real name is Padme Naberi. Amidala is a surname or a title or a distinction that she chose. We're going to get into that, but I just want to make sure everybody knows that her last name is not actually Amidala. Now, I've been having a really fun time reacquainting myself with all this Padme lore, and I've been deep diving, especially of her canon novels lately, which has been incredible. And today, we're going to focus on this snapshot of Padme, which is up to when she's a queen, and when it's when she stops becoming a queen and becomes a senator, and that's where we're going to stop, because that is a different Padme, as Mon said earlier in the show, that is Padme, the thick of the Clone Wars, right? Fighting in the Senate, but also fighting on missions with Anakin and other people. So Padme today is a much younger person, and she's also a different role in the galaxy. And obviously, the galaxy too is not in the Clone Wars, so... I mentioned she was the elected ruler of the house. That's, of course, the house of Naboo. And she took on the name Amidala. Now, before that, she was kind of in this like junior legislative core on Naboo for many years when she was young. So she kind of always wanted to go into this life. And what's really cool about Padme, I think she is one of the best people in Star Wars, quite literally, in the sense of just like the way she treats people, her ideals, her goals. So, her goal has always been peace, diplomacy, helping everybody get along. It sounds very basic stuff, but I mean she truly believes these things in her core, and she believed this as a young person in this legislative junior program on her way up to becoming queen Now what's crazy is Naboo they elect queens very young. Padme wasn't even the youngest queen ever elected, but she was in bigger grouping of young queens, so she's on this campaign trail to become queen and she gets to become queen at the age of 14, which is pretty awesome, but also pretty daunting, right? And what's interesting about her story, and which we're going to focus on a lot today, is she does so many good things for Naboo as queen. Namely, she gets a lot of other planets in the home system, and just the people of Naboo working together again, which not happened in many, many decades, which is great. There's planets that were nearby. They would trade and stuff like that. But outside of that, they didn't really work much together what's important about that is Naboo is this really art affluent community. The artisans and artists, they build up at their universities and send out into the world. When they trade with other planets, other planets are typically resource rich. Naboo's got some pretty good resources too. Typically, Naboo's dealing in arts and things like that, which is very interesting. It's just a different take on Star Wars, right? And you love that George brought this to the Star Wars universe, that Naboo's main affluence is art and architecture and things like that. So when she becomes this queen nabu has been in this many, many decades of peace. You know, There's no concerns, right? But she wants to do all this stuff. And she quickly gets acquainted with Captain Panaka, who's a crucial character in her whole arc because he's the head of security, like you talked about. We see he's a major player in episode one, a major character in episode one. Panaka has a feeling that maybe he's paranoid or maybe he has a genuine spidey sense that this era of peace will be over, possibly. And he's really worried about Padme, who's this really young queen who rose to power very quickly. So a lot of our discussion today is going to revolve around Panaka and Padme having these early conversations of how do they keep her and Nabu safe. Basically, Panaka has an idea of getting her a special handmaiden, particularly one handmaiden that can be trained as a bodyguard, can also serve as like a handmaiden to help her get her queen duties done. But Padme, being the brilliant mind she is, I mean, she think about this, she's 13 on a campaign trail, right? And she's doing all these amazing things. Padme has the idea of, well, what if it not only was one of my handmaidens and a bodyguard, but there was a bunch of handmaidens and we could also interchange with each other, being we all look similar decoys, but then additionally, Panaka, you're a really smart guy. What if you can go out in the community of Naboo and find girls that are talented in different areas of the world? And, you know, what does that look like? Well, it's cool is Panaka first is kind of apprehensive of this idea because he's thinking about putting a bunch of people in harm's way and having to train that many people and keep up with that many girls. He's kind of the dad of this group, which is really funny. And he starts running with it. He starts finding girls who are talented in every area of Nabu's culture. He finds a girl who's a who's essentially a con artist, brilliant at deception, brilliant at reading people. He finds other girls that are good at textiles, artistry. Crucial part of Padme is her wardrobe we know this later going on as a queen but also how some of these handmaidens completely redo her wardrobe to keep her safer and more mobile which things were not done in the past you got these giant regal heavy things reduce the weight add in some body armor underneath all kinds of cool stuff like that so he picks up all these different handmaidens and they start building this cabinet of handmaidens of course most importantly and we're going to touch on it now even though we're not in her lore yet but i mean we're going to touch on sabe he finds sabe And Sabe is one of these people that her entire life, she's brilliant. She's good at everything, but she's always second place. That's kind of her, where she's ended up in life. She feels like that's a detriment to her. But Padme helps her see very quickly that being second best in literally everything might just be better than being first in like one thing, right? Or two things, right? Or whatever. And Sabe starts learning that wholly through her life experiences and through her role as Padme's number one. That being second is actually sometimes more important than even being the queen because we find out quickly through the lore and obviously through the Phantom Menace and other things, Sabe starts being the primary decoy in the queen quite often, right? And actually doing queen duties from time to time through things that happen. Now, most of this time is just centered around Padme and her relationship with her handmaidens and how they kind of shake up this whole Naboo culture, which is great. But I think the, the heart of this story is Padme treated all these girls exactly the same as herself. She treated them all like they were royalty. They all got high-level jobs. In fact, she invented jobs that they didn't even get that Panaka was worried about. Like we said, we went from having potentially one handmaiden who's going to help and maybe be trained in bodyguarding to all them being trained in bodyguarding, all them having roles that have to happen in Padme's cabinet. And all this works out for the better because we know kind of how the way this goes Amadella is put to the test through the invasion of the Trade Federation, right? So we got Palpatine in the Senate. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Amadella's the queen. Viceroy Gunray shows up with his army. And of course, they have all these plans in place, right? To get Padme out safely. Big part of that is Sabe quickly switching over and becoming the queen during this time. Padme is just dressed like a handmaiden. What's cool about all this is Padme was one of the handmaidens, I say in quotes, right? one of the girls was always pretending to be Padme if Padme wasn't a handmaid, right? So there's layers and layers of the secret service going on. We know how episode one goes. Literally, because of Padme, because of Jar Jar, and because of Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan being so invested in this conflict and saying, no, we're going back. We got the Queen out, but like we're invested in this, and the Jedi Council giving the go-ahead for that too. Because once again, this is a time of peace in the Republic and time of peace in Naboo. We know through Padme's leadership... They're going to win the Battle of Naboo. They're going to bring the Gungans back into the fold. The Gungans have been estranged from Naboo this whole time. So once again, Padme's strength of diplomacy and wanting everyone to get their piece of what they deserve, but also everyone to work in harmony. And we know that they win the Battle of Naboo at the loss of Qui-Gon, right? And many Naboo people, but in the end, they win it and Padme goes on to get more terms as queen. And in fact, the people of Naboo try to change the law (laughs) to enact more terms to get her another term and padme of course being the great person she is she's like that's not we're not doing that we're not changing the law you know what i mean my time is done i served as queen was very important before the battle of Naboo and obviously after the battle of nabu became a prolific person and then the way that her story ends in this small section of time with padme after her two terms as queen it, it ends with getting a new queen enacted of course and then the queen literally asked padme have you thought about working in the senate because obviously now Palpatine has become the chancellor, as we all know. Jar Jar has become a senator for the Gungan people, or he's about to. He's on the steps to that. And what's so interesting, Amon, about this is Padme is shocked. She's shell-shocked. She's never thought about becoming a senator, which is so funny. It shows how selfless she is, because clearly she's had an entire life of training, politics. She was a queen for two terms. She's had all the right things to become a senator, but she's never thought about that Herself, she's never even considered that as an idea, but the second the new queen tells her that she is literally like "I've never of course, I'm saying yes because number one, it's my duty. The queen's asking me, and number two, even though I've never thought of this, I've never heard of something that sounds so right for me. It shows like her selflessness but also her her brilliance, she was born to lead, she was born to guide people, and she was born to do what's best for their public, unlike Palpatine, who had all these desires to scale the ladder. She had no desire to scale the ladder. She only wanted what was best for the people, and that she found herself in positions of affluence to do that. Because something I didn't mention at the top of this episode, and it's very important to Padme, she comes from an affluent and rich background, but her parents always taught her with our money, with our time, with our resources, we put back into the community, we put back into the poor, we put back into everyone around us because we have been blessed in this life and we're not going to take advantage of that. And they kind of instilled that in her. And it's so cool because. She kind of lives it out at a higher echelon that even they even thought possible because they didn't expect her to become queen. She becomes queen, then she becomes a senator, and it's all just very cool. And you know, we're going to stop there today with Padme because obviously Senator Padme onward, her relationship with Anakin, these are all things that come later, though. Battle of Naboo, of course, through the whole process, she meets little Anakin and they become close friends. And then, of course, they meet up again later. Many steps, right? To get all those things, but. We're focusing only on her life today as queen and how she became a senator, right? And that's where we're going to stop today because that's what AMG's given us. And it's kind of cool, man, because I think we, instead of us covering her entire history, like we would for some of these other characters, we get to laser focus on one little bit and move on and kind of understand who Padme is at this time, which I think is very cool. And yeah, also the combat training, which we'll get to more with Sabe and stuff, but Panaka trained these girls, man. And then also Padme had the idea of installing weapons in the rooms and stuff, right? Which is crazy. And obviously, we know that's how she wins the conflict is Sabe shows up, distracts the viceroy, pulls everyone away, and Padme and Panaka pull out the two pistols that are in this historic throne room chair that's supposed to be never touched. It's hundreds of years untouched. And Padme and Panaka come with the idea of disassembling it and putting, you know, weapons inside in the case of crisis. And so, like, in a lot of ways, they shook up the Naboo way of doing things, but for the better, it saved Naboo. you know? So, Innovation, I think, is also a crucial part of who she is as well.
1: I think it goes to show the transformative life and nature of Padme, right? Like, she's always someone who liked to break stereotypes. I think she liked to break away from tradition when she realizes that it no longer serves the people. And I think that's pretty interesting because that's kind of like what we do in modern society now, right? Is we take these traditions and these ways of life that have consistently work and you hear this phrase like if it ain't broken don't fix it Mm -hmm. and these things weren't broken but Padme was like how can we improve upon these things and make it even better to enrich not only security but also like the life of the people around us and the efficiencies behind things which I think is really cool it's a great character for a lot of young girls to aspire to as well you know I, I have a lot of friends who grew up and saw Padme and said you know Star Wars primarily right is known as like a guy's thing. And I think that's changed a lot in the last couple of years. And I think Padme kind of led that charge because you have this very strong, young, smart, resourced, kind individual who's able to do so many cool things, right? And as, you know, you're a girl dad, right? So someone who sees that, right? you love that, you think that's amazing. But also like a lot of my friends who are into nerdy stuff, right? Quote unquote, (laughs) or into Star Wars. It started with Padme for them. And I think that's amazing. And so... Obviously, love Natalie Portman, amazing actress. She crushed that role in terms of Padme as a character, someone who's always pushing the boundaries, someone who's always demonstrating that you know, just because I'm a girl or I don't have a lightsaber doesn't mean I can do all this cool stuff. And she ends up being, as you say, one of the most important Star Wars characters in the ethos and the mythos of it. And so huge shout out to George for thinking about different ways in which different characters and different genders and species can all be as impactful and as powerful in many different ways. Mm. But also shout out to Amidala because like young queen who's doing all this cool stuff and transforming everything and treating people with kindness. And I think that's why Anakin falls in love with her. I think that's why the Senate, she had a lot of sway over it until Palpatine kind of did his thing, you know, so incredible.
0: Yeah. And her story in the end, of course, is very tragic. We know how it goes, but I mean... One of the dominoes that starts falling in place to make her story so profoundly Shakespearean tragic is this thing she spent her entire life working on, this Republic, these politics. It all crumbles before her, right? With the creation of the Galactic Empire and the fall of the Republic. And it's very heartbreaking because Padme did everything right. Her role in the galaxy, she was a light, right? And politics and everything. So Palpatine kind of getting his way and getting where he got to be. It also proves to Amon about why she's so important to Star Wars. Of course, she's the mother of Luke and Leia. Leia is arguably one of the most influential people in all of Star Wars, and of course, Luke as well. And I also think another reason why people forget she's so influential. Yeah, yeah, she's tied to Anakin, all this stuff. But it's it's really she's a direct opposition to Palpatine when they were close friends and together early in her career as queen, right? And then they become completely separate when they become different polar opposite sides of the political spectrum and what they think the Republic needs. Palpatine's goal is always turning the Republic into an empire. It's a whole other goal, and then her goal of keeping the Republic intact. So in a way, her and Palpatine were always sparring through chess, whether they knew it or not, you know? And I also think that's very interesting because she's one of the first people that inspires others to set up the foundation of even the Rebel Alliance going forward later, right? People like Mon Mothma and Bail Organa were inspired or pushed by Padme so once again, she's laying the groundwork for something her daughter's going to lead much later, right? It's very poetic and very beautiful, but also very sad because her role ends up being tragic, but she achieves all these things in her life still with the tragedy all around it. So it's absolutely amazing, but so cool that we're talking about the queen today in particular. Yeah, it is very cool. It's very exciting. And so I think Jesse, it's time
1: to now get into Queen Padme Amidala, the unit in Star Wars Point, mm-hmm. who is a primary unit who comes with 3 force and provides eight points for you to build a strike team with. She's got a stamina of nine and a durability of three. And sparse on the tags here, she
0: has only one tag, Galactic Republic. Makes sense. But also the sparsest tags we've seen yet.
1: Yeah. And I think it's also just maybe limited from the fact that, you know, this particular character is a one movie character, right? So I
0: also like that it shows the the catch all of Galactic Republic will be applied to maybe some of these things, conflicts, people that happened adjacent to the Clone Wars.
1: Yeah. Prior to the Clone Wars, which is very exciting. And yeah, that means that one day, if and when we do get Qui-Gon, we can play him alongside maybe, you know, Anakin or Obi-Wan, which is the greatest thing for me in my in my headcanon. I know it's it same. breaks continuity, but no, I, I completely dig it. It's so cool. Right. Very cool. All right. Let's start things off with her first active ability royal command this has a force cost of one choose an allied galactic republic unit each character in the chosen unit may advance this is big this is an incredible ability it's really cool man i think it's actually quite powerful given the fact that it says each character in the unit may advance so you can get some amazing movement here some great repositioning in between struggles in order to better set yourself up to try to win said struggle but man the first time i used this ability dude i was Trying the Vader Padme list is my first time playing Padme, which is cool, but again, breaks all continuity, right? Dark Date Night. That's right. And the fact that you can get effectively three advances with Vader over the course of one full order deck is pretty, pretty nice. Had this great thing where, okay, enemy is applying pressure here. Okay, he just advances up to the point above him. Oh, back pressure. You know, Amidala advances him back to get support back on that
0: point. So it was cool. I enjoyed it. And I think it's a very strong ability, Jesse. That's a cool way to use it. Absolutely. Move your your queen piece around the board. Pun intended, I suppose. But I mean, like Vader being your queen piece in that situation. But also, you could use this Amon to have a huge swing during Padme's turn where you just say, okay, I'm moving two clones or two handmaidens to a point. I'm also moving Padme to that point. I'm just winning that point now without even rolling dice, right? That's very powerful. It's very Padme. It's her leading by example. Also has some synergy with her... Identity, which we're going to get to later, where you can kind of set up her identity better because we know Shatterpoint, like positioning is everything. It is literally everything in the game. And then pieces get moved all the time. So, this is a good way to also recover, get back to where you need to be, right? Because you could also have two clones on separate sides of the map, right? Off on two points and they got pushed off or something. You can move them back on, not on their turn, right? Very powerful thing. So, I think it's one of those abilities. Similar to a low there on Obi-Wan, similar to Vader's charge, similar to Anakin's I'm going to end this. You're just always, always, always going to have the force saved for this. When Padme's in your deck, you're going to say, I got to have a force left for Padme to do Royal Command when she comes up in my deck.
1: Yeah, and that's what makes it interesting and compelling. Again, you know, you use example of Vader's fury. I'm always banking that. I'm always saving one for webboard. I'm always saving one, you know, in the right moment for not so fast and things like that, or jumps. And so in this situation, I think it's a double-edged sword. We'll talk about this a little bit more, but I think nature of the beast with Republic is you're already tight for force in terms of your economy. You have more things to worry about. Oh, I have to now worry about a making sure my characters are reserved and my defensive maneuvers, but then also now my royal commands. Right. So interesting design again because I think it does force the Republic player. To have to make the optimal decisions.
0: Yeah. But at the same time, it would have been cool if it was free, like just a tactics that just, you know. That would have been cool. I would have really enjoyed that, especially because it wouldn't be taxed by the force wound tax later, because of course, this gets more expensive as the game goes on. Indeed, indeed.
1: Now, our next ability is called Coordinated Fire. It is a reactive ability, and so I'm pretty sure everyone at this point knows how these work, but there is a different tag with this one, so every single... Coordinated Fire we've seen prior to this box on the Galactic Republic side has mentioned a Galactic Republic unit. Amidala's only works for an allied handmaiden unit. So when an allied handmaiden unit makes an attack as part of a combat action, before dice are rolled, if the target is within five of a character in this unit, which is Queen Amidala,
0: she deals two auto damage, which is pretty gnarly. That's very gnarly, but hard to get off, right? Because this has to be a handmaiden that's making this happen, so... You've got to like set up the activation order in a certain way. Also, once again, Amon, it's so funny, this fits in the same Galactic Republic discussion you just brought up and we just had on our recent discussion episode, but it's like Republic is so stringent on like who's activating at what times, who's spending force at what times, and who's kind of setting up the next person to go. And I think if you're used to clones, this is this is a good start, but obviously this is a hair more difficult than the clones because that's just Galactic Republic, right? So now you've really got to figure out how to set this up. So I think it's a high reward for something that's a little bit harder to pull off.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the setup. For me, like, I would just never care about this when it pops up great. Well Obviously, there might be moments where a character only has two or three wounds left, right? going to want to set it up then. Yeah, exactly. But for the most part, I think this is just a nice to have. And I wouldn't worry about it too much. That being said, I think it just goes to show her strong Ballistic ability, right? Like you talked, you talked about Panaka teaching these
0: girls how to shoot. Yeah, well, keeping that idea going, Amon. She's got an innate ability called Crack Shot. Characters in this unit have Sharpshooter too. When this unit makes a Focus action, each character in this unit may dash. So, first of all, we love on this show. You know, we know how powerful Django's Focus to get a free jump is, right? Just for the movement ability, right? What's cool about this is you get a free dash, so it helps Padme get a little bit faster because this is the only other way she has an ability to move outside of her advance action. But also, now she's rolling three more dice on her ranged attacks per the sharpshooter rule and the focus correlation. So that's putting her up to 10 dice on one of her sides of her tree. And I think that's very cool.
1: Yeah, she goes to 10 and 9 if you are able to focus with Padme, which is pretty neat. I mean, at the end of the day... A focus, you're asking for a lot, and so I like the fact that there is an innate bonus for a primary unit getting all of this stuff because effectively you can still get some sort of maneuverability, and that would be through a dash. Like Ideally, most turns end up being advance, take cover, or advance, attack. In this situation, maybe you can do a dash. Dash is a smaller tool here, but it kind of offsets with the fact that she has a range attack, and despite it being only range four, I think it kind of makes sense because I guess they're concealed pistols. Right? Yeah. Versus a full on blaster at range five. So I dig it. I like it. And I think it befits her primary status and gives her a little bit more flexibility if and when you need it.
0: hundred percent. Can you imagine if Cody had this when he focuses, he gets to dash. I, That's that'd interesting. Be really cool for him because he's got obviously sharpshooter as well. And I think the toughest part with Cody is getting in a position where he can shoot often right and get his range five expose off.
1: Yeah, I would. Not to make this a discussion, but I would argue back and say, but he's also the type of dude who just sits back with his binoculars and kind of just looks. He's not very mobile. Yeah. So
0: I would like him to shoot more, right? And that would help him. But yeah, it's a very cool ability. And talking about cool abilities and closing out her card, I'll talk about her identity, which is very wordy, but we'll break it down after I read it. Servant of the people, when this unit is not wounded, and while one or more characters in this unit are contesting an active objective, that's very important. If this active unit's stance is faith and diplomacy, Allied Galactic Republic supporting characters can contest the same active objective as Padme, even when they are wounded. So, before we move on, on to the next part, let's talk about this first part.
1: Agreed. Yeah. So, I really like how you said as Padme, because I think there maybe was confusion on how this card was read. So, just to make it super clear, when Padme is not wounded and she is contesting an active objective, if she is in faith and diplomacy, which is one of our stances, allied galactic republic supporting characters that their same objective as padme still count as contesting even when they're wounded
0: okay a lot of hoops to jump through it is Is padme not wounded Is padme on an active objective is padme in the particular stance her diplomacy stance and you know now are there galactic republic supporting characters around that can contribute because once again if they're not galactic republic they're not going to work with this either
1: correct and they have to be supporting characters which is Fairly limiting. I think it makes sense, though, because you'll see very quickly the handmaidens have mobility options to help them get to Padme, right? So the whole this whole concept particularly boils down to Padme is always surrounded by our handmaidens, and even when they're injured or wounded, they're still there always laying their life on the line to protect their queen, which is very cool thematically. And clones can jump in, too. Correct. Clones can work, but the idea is that Again, these handmaidens are built around always moving towards Padme. I think in this particular situation, I really like the fact that this allows you to thematically have this moment where Padme is always next to her handmaidens and they're continuing to help score and win points, which is pretty neat. But I think the application is very limited because if you're at a point, then you're probably going to have an opposing melee character or primary, you know, in your face and you know who hates being attacked in combat? Well, not only clones, but handmaidens as well, right? So yeah. it's it's almost so interesting to where it's like, okay, just kill my guys because they'll just be wounded and they'll still count. So it could be a deterrent, but at the same time, I think it's still worth taking them out because then you force Padme to stay in faith
0: and diplomacy, and then also you gain that momentum, right? Absolutely. And you know, we're gonna talk about it probably in her character summary in a minute, but the tough other hoop. With this, Amon is that Padme has to be not wounded herself, right? So it also makes it like more steps for you as a Republic player to like achieve this. What's cool about it, though, the example you just gave, Hanmaids could be way up the board, and Padme could come in later, right? And even though they got one shot or something, she can walk up to the point, turn the point on with diplomacy, right, and win it. But I also think it's just it's very crazy and scary. Like Padme goes down pretty easily too. And so you're, you're constantly doing this balance of who's wounded, who's not wounded. you know what I mean? And, and what am I doing? So it, it actually asks a lot of questions of you as the Amidala player, but also asks a lot of questions of your opponent, like you said, and I, I do enjoy that. But let's talk about the second part of her identity, which we might be seeing more potentially, and it's a lot simpler. While Padme is not wounded, once again, if the active unit's stance is aggressive negotiations, allied Galactic Republic supporting characters within four of it, Add one die to their attack rolls. Notice this says attack rolls, so that includes melee. I think at first pass of this, I was thinking, I don't know why, maybe more thematically, I was just thinking, oh, everybody's shooting better, right, around Padme, like in the Phantom Menace, right? But this is all attack rolls, which is very cool. Less hoops to jump through. The only hoop you have to jump through is her not being wounded and range four. Correct.
1: You mentioned that this might be more popular because I think it probably will be in general because... The benefit already of bringing Galactic Republic supporting characters is the fact that they're all two-character units. And so you have these characters who can make six-dice, seven-dice attacks. And maybe their damage is only four or five, but they tend to stack a lot of conditions. Well, if you now turn those six- and seven-dice attacks to seven- and eight-dice attacks, that means you're rolling 14 to 16 dice on your supporting character attack rolls. And if you hyper focus that into one target, then I think your consistency goes up through the roof, right? So what this allows you to do as a Republic player is maybe output more damage than you maybe thought were possible. I will say what this makes it really cool is the fact that like sometimes you're thinking, man, I really need to have my primary, like Anakin, get out there and do a lot of damage. And so maybe I have to reserve my Republic supporting unit to get to my heavy hitter in this pivotal moment of the game. And what this might allow you to do is instead go with your supporting unit and pump in a ton of dice because they can maybe consistently get that damage out, but now because as we all know, like people are like, well, it's only one more dice, sure, but people focus all the time in this game, right?
0: Yeah. Especially the handmaidens and Sabe, right?
1: Yeah. And then imagine if you focus and you get the benefit of this, then you're getting two extra dice plus any sharpshooters you get, which is pretty cool. So
0: I think it's cool because I think it also helps out clones. Once again, like you said, I'm on. We're gonna play a lot of Padme games to determine how many times the clones from your other group come in contact with Padme or Handmaidens. But I do think it's nice, right? Just like the Servant of the People, Faith and Diplomacy section is nice for clones. This part's nice for clones as well, because we all know it. Clones struggle. Clones struggle getting down their trees. Clones sometimes struggle doing damage. And this certainly helps them out a lot as well. So I just think If you're playing a Queen Padme list, you're already going to run all Galactic Republic supports, because why wouldn't you, right? And both sides of this identity makes Galactic Republic supports more consistent, which is great. Both of our identities are really cool and obviously crucial to how the character plays. And, you know, all characters have cool identities, right, Amon? But it's it's just so interesting that, like, I think this is one of those identities, like you're just building your whole list around. And, you know, you do that with a lot of lists, like Vader's identity, right? You want people that can hit well in melee, right? But I think this is a little bit more nuanced in the sense of like, how am I playing the game? I'm playing the game with Galactic Republic supports in a slightly different way.
1: Yeah. It's interesting because I definitely think out of all the boxes we've seen so far, this particular box is designed the most, I think, to play amongst itself. For sure. As soon as you start taking pieces out, the efficacy and the strength
0: of the individual units goes down. Well said. Yeah. Well, let's get into her forms because I think we're gonna learn a lot very quickly about how she plays from this as well. Indeed. So we'll start with faith in diplomacy. Now keep
1: in mind that when Padme is not wounded and with faith in diplomacy as her active stance, Allied Galactic Republic supporting characters can contest the same active objective, even if they're wounded. So we'll take a look at her offensive stats here. Six six on both of her attacks, five five on both of her melee and range defense. Looking at her ranged expertise, her ELG 3A blaster pistol, one expertise is one strike, two to three, three strikes, four plus four strikes. So we really see that scale quite well in the two plus expertise range. Quick thinking is her melee expertise, one to two, two strikes, three plus a crit and a strike. So obviously we know Padme is more of a ranged damage dealer at this state in her life, but in general, truly. And she is a good shot, and so that's reflected again in the expertise. Defensive training, this is some cool stuff here. One to two, block and uh, recover. Three to four, block and two recovers. Five plus a block, turning an opposing crit to a fail, and two
0: recovers. Jesse, what do we think about expertise as a whole? I think it's cool. Like you said, how it scales is very interesting. I also like that her like blaster expertise is pretty good on this side. And something we're going to see about Padme, and I think maybe this is more a credit to the design from AMG and just her character as a whole, she's a very consistent character. She's very, like, both of her forms are very similar. We're kind of seeing that through a lot of these things. I think the defensive training is so cool. I did go on a slight tangent in one of our recent episodes about this, because I think it's very important for people learning the game that personal effects happen after all enemy tree effects have happened, right? And damage has been applied so i think these recovers happening after damage is supplied not great with the one shot melee world we're in right now but also great in other ways where it's like oh you dealt x amount of damage and conditions to padme well i got three expertise so i got a block and two recovers out of this after everything's been said and done i'm just going to recover that pin to recover that strain right on your turn right which i think is very cool so I just think it's unique this far in the game yet. We have not seen this many recovers and expertise. And I think that's just unique. I agree. I find it unique. I think there's a clear weakness here.
1: I mean, we talk about this very strong ability where if she's not wounded, characters that are galactic supporting units can contest while wounded. But then, you know, we mentioned earlier that a great way around that is to just wound Padme. And five defense isn't the most exciting thing. No. And I think her defensive expertise capping out at one block per expertise level is obviously again intended design because she is not necessarily that defensive. It probably also ties into the fact that there are benefits of her being close to the handmaidens, which we'll talk about shortly. Mm -hmm. And so then, again, I think this is all baked into the fact that, like I think they easily could have given Padme two block on one of these, like three to four, and then five plus maybe two block and then addition to everything else it's giving. But there is intentional Design here, and that AMG is saying Padme is great, but we have designed her to play with her handmaidens and Sabe, and you should do that. Doesn't mean you have to, (laughs) but we've kind of designed it for it to work like that.
0: Yeah, very much so. And I think, even taking that one step further, I'm on these recovers that she gets on her tree prime abilities to use on Sabe and the headmaidens, right? To keep them topped off and healthy and ready to go on their turn, right? Which is very evocative of who Padme is, anyways, right? She's very selfless and she's always thinking about her girls but also like everyone around her. So let's get into this tree, Amon, because this is her weaker tree side, right? Yeah, one more thing I want to add on the
1: defensive training is I also think thematically it makes really cool sense because in theory, if she's surrounded by her handmaidens, they're always helping her recover because that's their job, right? Mm-hmm. So doesn't necessarily mean the recovery is coming from Padme, but in that situation, it's it's cool thematically. But yeah, let's jump to this tree here. It's not a very long tree. There's only five spots here. And so and you can imagine with six dice and sharpshooter, getting up to nine dice, there are going to be a lot of times where Padme is able to kind of blow through this tree here, especially with that ranged expertise. So we're going to start off with a shove and a damage, which obviously, you know, we think is excellent on this podcast. And I think it's a general point sentiment as a whole, because getting that shove early on is huge and really forces your opponent to maybe get closer than they want to in order to reduce the efficacy of your set shove. So shoving a damage, then we have pin and a damage. And then we have shove and two damage, which is great. So getting three steps into the tree is quite amazing with a total of four damage and two shoves and punishing with the pin. Now from here you're able to go up or down. If you choose the upper path, you get the disarm and the damage, followed by two damage. If you take the lower path, it's one damage and then a shove and a damage. So if you really want to really move someone out of position, three shoves seven damage on the upper tree and a pin is pretty nice conversely you can also just shove shove disarm and pin as well a lot of cool stuff here and i'm not mad at it at all i think it's quite efficient for how small it is
0: yeah and i think it makes sense too when you flip her to this form if you're planning to attack in this form you're trying to win that point you're trying to score with your wounded supports right so these shoves can get someone off right and probably help you win that point right so i think that's the main time you're going to use this side and it's very simple tree, like you said, monster it's just that Y-Wing shape again. You're going down it, five spaces, and you're, you're going to do either six damage and a bunch of shoves, like you said, or seven damage and a little bit less shoves and some conditions sprinkled in, but very cool.
1: Yeah, and I really love the disarm because I think it's, again, speaks to a thematic space where it's handmaidens and Padme are just trying to reduce the offensive output, you know, disarm their assailants so that they can do less damage. But then I always think it's very neat because... You know, in theory, because of the way her identity works, she might be on an aggressive point. And so being able to disarm the person who is trying to maybe move her off the point is very helpful because a lot of these expertise trees are, are you know, these characters are super reliant on their expertise trees. So thematically and design, I think it works really well for the way that she works. And I really like that AMG did that. So I guess we're moving on to aggressive negotiations. <laughs> so on this side, she's a 7 6, defense 5 5, and her expertise is a lot more interesting so keep in mind again that when she is in aggressive negotiations all Galactic Republic supporting units or characters rather within 4 add plus 1 dice to their attack rolls and this is demonstrated by the fact that she herself is rolling an extra dice on her ranged attack as well at 7. ELG 3A blaster pistol ranged expertise 1 crit for 1 expertise 2 expertise is a crit and a strike 3 plus is two crits and a strike. So very nice on that ranged expertise. Quickly jumping to quick thinking, which is her melee expertise. One expertise, one strike. Two expertise, two strikes. Three plus expertise, three strikes. And then lastly, defensive training. One to two, a block and a recover. Three to four, two blocks and a recover. Five plus two blocks,
0: turning a crit to a fail and a recover. So interesting, the defensive training in particular mine, it's like you you lose recovers, but you gain more blocks, right? It's just kind of like a trade-off from the other form. Very cool.
1: Yes, I do like it a lot, actually, because it makes sense. Again, I think design is excellent here. Is Okay, the time for talk is over. So now I'm going into my combat stance. We're now no longer recovering or trying to, you know, enhance everybody. It's just guns blast and let's take things down. So I like it. it makes a lot of sense. Again, what I really like on this is the ranged expertise. It's a lot more crits on this side, which I really enjoy because, honestly, it probably balances out. Like, If you look at Faith and Diplomacy, I don't know if four strikes is equal to, in this situation, two crits and a strike. Probably is about the same. In fact, I think you always want crits more, right? Because you just don't have to worry about opposing
0: dice. But I think overall, it's, it's quite a wash. Yeah. This is a perfect time as any, I think, I'm on to bring up this conversation about Padme's forms. I feel like this is our first time coming with a character where it's like her dice on both forms are very similar defensively and offensively right and her expertise in a lot of ways are very similar it's just not something we're used to seeing like i think of the jedi or some of the sith in particular because they are a lot of the primaries in this game have very polarizing dice numbers or or abilities you know what i mean On on their different sides and padme is very middle of the road on both and i Obviously, it's a design choice, right? And obviously, fits with the lore we talked about today, too. But it's unique. It's just different, you know? Because I think normally in the game, you're thinking, like, at the end of my turn, Mace turns, I'm like, well, I want to go back to Jedi Master, right? Because Mace is so much better defensively in Jedi Master, right? Dice-wise and expertise and stuff. And I don't know. Padme just seems a lot more, what do you want to play at a given time, right? There's not a ton of decisions uh, with her tree swapping.
1: Yeah, I mean, essentially, it comes down to... What do you want her to do? Do you want her to give people more dice or do you want to give people the ability to ignore a core rule of the game and contest while wounded,
0: which I think both have their merits. And obviously the trees are different themselves, right? I'm just trying to clarify that I'm talking about raw stats and kind of expertise are just very similar on both sides, which is just unusual, right? You are going to want to switch to do different things. Right? Right. Yeah, I completely agree. I think from an expertise and quite
1: candidly like a core profile standpoint of attack and defense dice, there isn't much change. And again, I think this lends credence to the fact that the design isn't trying to punish you as much, given the fact that both stances are effectively the same in terms of Mm. everything outside of the damage tree, because you're already jumping through so many hoops in the identity itself. So let's talk about something that is different, though, which is the damage tree. And this is where you can see, again, Padme being more of that damage dealer. I'm getting kind of some of that primary output that we look for in our primary units. So we're going to start with two damage, and then from there we would go up or down. If we go up, it's two more damage, so four damage into two steps in the tree is pretty nice, or we can go expose in the damage, totaling that to three damage and expose. Either way, I think that's pretty good, and situationally allows you to kind of set up for another attack, or just really finish someone off here. If we get to the third tile on the tree, a shove and a damage, which is great. We love them shoves, and this allows her greater flexibility and positioning. And so once we're at this point, we can either go up or down. If we go up, it's two more damage and then a shove and a damage. Or we can go down, which is a damage and two recovers and then a reposition and a damage. This is a very flexible tree, Jesse. This allows you to get a lot of damage out. Like I think the maximum damage you can do is eight, which is pretty neat and two shoves, or you can choose to be more of a reposition as well, right? Like, I'm going to heal a little bit, remove some conditions, and then move. And I like that a lot. It gives Padme a lot of flexibility, and I think in conjunction with some of the other coordinated fire options that are in Galactic Republic, like, she can be quite potent
0: at range, even at melee on this tree. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, very well said. And I also like this reposition. I love these final two spots, on of the damage two recovers, reposition, damage. I just think that's so versatile because we already talked about Padme doesn't have a ton of mobility, right? And so that helps her get a little bit more mobility. That's also, you could do some cool lateral plays with this where it's like you do a bunch of damage to someone and then you move sideways to another point, right? And now you flip to Faith and Diplomacy at the end of Padme's turn. And all of a sudden, you're scoring something that your opponent might not have thought you could get to or something, right? With one advance, right? But you got there now with two advances. I think it's very cool because I think it also like works well with her focus dash as well. So you're like advance, focus dash, shoot. Oh, now I also reposition somewhere, right? So it gives her more mobility than you think, which I also think is nice. Because don't forget that shove in the third spot in the tree, you're going to get a little mobility from that as well if you need it with that little push of range one. So we've already discussed this is the tree you're probably going to be in more of the time, at least the early parts of the game, right? When you're moving your gun line up and shooting. For it to be a good tree like this, I really enjoy seeing it. And once again, I also like the concept thematically and just in the game with these two recovers, Padme also healing up Sabe and the Handmaidens around her as well.
1: Indeed. And I think this is a great segue to talk about this character as a whole. Yes. Is that Padme I find super interesting because like the focus on Galactic Republic supporting units isn't very exciting because we've often attributed some of the weaknesses of the galactic republic playstyle to the fact that their supports are so weak and so having this character come out and attempt to bolster these galactic republic supporting units on one hand is is interesting right and makes you want to think about the game in a different way but then conversely i also wonder personally like are we just putting resources into units that aren't really deserving of said resources mm. right and it's a very interesting conundrum to really think about because Like on one hand, you know, we have characters like Obi-Wan and Padme who can really improve the overall longevity of these units or their efficacy on the battlefield. Then we always complain that they're not doing so hot and that maybe they're being hampered individually because of the other opportunities that other primary units are offering them. So I don't know. I think overall, like Padme is one of those high skill level characters. You know, you mentioned this lateral play. I think that's a very good example of like some of the cool things you can do with Padme, right? The fact that Royal Command allows her to just give any Galactic Republic unit a full advance is insane. Because yes, you're right, at the start of her turn, maybe she moves a wounded Galactic Republic support unit onto a point now yep. where they're outnumbering another character. Boom, that's a point. Then her handmaidens follow. And then she's shooting people. Maybe she shoves someone off another point. Like, I can very well see a turn where Padme can go plus three right on a turn where your opponent wasn't expecting them to. And that can be very exciting. And so I think if you put in the work to Padme, like any character in any game, but particularly Padme, you're going to see some really meta S tier plays that I don't think are possible with some other characters. The question that I have Mm -hmm. is, is all that flashiness worth it when you have some characters that can just do things just innately? Like, for example, Mace, right? I have this incredible bubble that is just affects everything, not only supporting units. But then the question could be like if you take Mace and Amidala, like, is that taking it to another level? Or is it still not as good as Mace Obi-Wan, right? Like these are such interesting questions to talk about. And again, I think she's such a cool character. I certainly want to try her. I know Jesse, you've been putting in some reps and messing around with her. But it's just like this breaking point where I is the juice worth the squeeze?
0: Great question. I mean, there is a huge element in these minis games that we all experience them on, and I think part of this mental load the mental load of playing her is so much higher than playing like a vader it just is and so that alone even if she can make this amazing struggle to swing turn play that wins you the game the steps you have to get there and how you kind of have to exhaust yourself a little bit mentally and play the chess pieces perfectly is very difficult and i think it's going to be the joy of this box for certain people and it's going to be the bane of this box for other people right Uh, she's not a plug and play by any means We've also talked about how the irony here, the Queen's Gambit here, is that if the Queen goes down, your plan evaporates immediately, right? Because now her royal command costs two, all of her abilities are turned offline that you want her to have, right? So it's this crazy like touch and go of Padme's gotta be safe and awake. I call it awake in the game when you're not wounded. And but also all the pieces around her have to be moving in the right way. It feels amazing with the lore, but I think the more people that put in reps and time with Padme are going to get more enjoyment out of her, not only just enjoying playing her, but also figuring out this puzzle and maybe how to relieve some of this mental load that she's definitely going to give you when you play her. And that's what I've been experiencing with her a lot. It's just, you know, massive mental load. And of course that's a huge tenet of the Republic play style anyways, I think, because there are some hurdles in their way and there are some tough plays. There are some tough calls you have to make from time to time. And I think Padme is maybe, one of the most extreme versions of that Republic mental load thus far.
1: Yeah, I think that completely aligns with some of my thoughts as well, which is I think she's a very high skill piece. So yeah, I think we can both agree that the more energy and time you spend playing Padme, the more that in theory it should reward you. In fact, maybe even more so than other characters due to the fact that it appears that she has a very high skill ceiling. I do like that thematic piece you mentioned as well, where like when the queen goes down, And that kind of just clicked for me as to why when Padme is not wounded, you know, all of these things that she's doing is because when the queen's on the board and the handmaidens and Sabe are there, like they can only function when the queen is like not injured or still up and kicking. Again, I think it's thematically a wonderful design. I think they're really thematically knocked out of the park. It's the servant of the people identity, which again, is the juice worth the squeeze. And I guess we'll figure that out because now we're going to talk about Sabe.
0: That's right. So let's talk about Sabe. So Sabe, formerly known as Sabin, because we're going to talk about shortly how all the handmaidens take up names to keep their anonymity, but also to help better serve the queen. Similar to how Padme does not go by Padme, her entire term as queen. She goes by Amidala, right? No one knows her name's Padme except Panaka and the handmaidens and her parents, right? So that's one of those things. The anonymity helps them do their job better. Uh, Of course, she was a human female that grew up on Naboo, she was Padme's number one or number two, if you want to call it that. And also, what's cool about Sabe is she impersonated Amidala many times during pre Naboo's invasion and during the Naboo invasion. Of course, you know, a lot of the shots of Phantom Menace, it is Kira Knightley playing the queen, not Natalie Portman, because they are doing the decoy, not only with the Trade Federation, but they're doing the decoy with the audience, right? <laughs> Which is very cool. And they're kind of like, playing into this concept. Also it's super cool about Sabe. I talked about she was the most trained of all Padme's handmaidens. number one because she was the most skilled number two, she was the first one to join Padme's cabinet. And number three, she kind of made it her goal to be the handmaiden that could fit any of the other handmaidens role. So like I said, a lot of these other handmaids were more niche and their skills. Like, like we have, you know, like I talked about, we have certain handmaids with certain skills. Sabe could essentially do all their skills to a certain level. And of course, another element that Sabe and Padme came up with, which I think is very brilliant, Amon, is they came up with the concept of the queen's voice. And if you notice in episode one, Padme's voice when she's the queen is very different from when she's Padme herself, right? Because not only did they want to have a commanding voice for the queen, this is a very collaborative effort, But they also wanted to have a lower, more monotone voice that all the girls could replicate if one of them had to be queen for an afternoon or a day, right? And Sabe got also best at impersonating Padme's version of the queen. So it was indistinguishable at a certain point. Now, after Padme's tenure as queen, Sabe continued to be a handmaiden for Padme for some time. And Padme sent her on special missions, which I think is very cool. Most notably, there's a mission where Padme sent Sabe and Captain Tonra, one of her other new chiefs of security, to Tatooine to free a lot of the slaves, right? After Padme's time on Tatooine, seeing people enslaved. And she actually sp- specifically requested that Sabe help find Shmi Skywalker, Anakin's mother. But Sabe could not find her and could not free her. So that's actually a nice little like side point, obviously, with Padme's interwoven story with Anakin, right? So what's cool about Sabe, and I'm not going to get too much into this lore, Amon, because I want people to read this stuff. I want people to read the Vader comics, you and I both do, because I'm not going to spoil stuff. But basically, following Padme's mysterious death after the end of the Clone Wars and the birth of this new Galactic Empire, Sabe and the security officer, Tanra, changed their identities and began to kind of investigate Padme's death and try to figure it out. And Sabe starts a new group of Nabu loyalists known as the Amidalans, which is just sick. Naboo loyalists who are like not willing to give into this deterioration of the Republic into the Galactic Empire. So, kind of like a little rebel cell. Sabe, through various means, finds out that Darth Vader is directly related potentially to Padme's death, right? So, in finding this, it starts her on a journey to not only figure out Padme's death, but figure out who's fully responsible, what happened with Anakin, what happened with Padme, where did everybody go, you know? And it's a very cool story. I'm not going to like spoil the end, but. Sabe is a very smart woman, we know this, and very trained. And what's crazy is, you know, you think about this too, Iman, how tragic is this? She definitely outlives Padme by a lot of time too, right? So in a way, she's kind of like the essence of the queen continuing on, the essence of Amidala, hence why she starts this foundation of loyalists as the Amidalans. But I just think it's so cool. And it's a big part of the Vader comics that you should definitely check out.
1: Agree. I think the Vader comics are certainly something people should read into. We recommended Son of Dathomir and we had a couple people reach out, uh, and it was really nice to hear that they enjoyed it. It was a quick read, but they enjoyed it. So it was really nice to have people communicate that to us. But going back to this particular comic, I completely agree that it is worth the read. The Sabe Amidalan portion of the comic is in the first arc of it. So you can get through that fairly decently in, in one sitting, truly. Just pour yourself a cup of tea and enjoy it. And I think also, What's quite fascinating, you mentioned about outliving Amidala, you have all of these Amidalans, right, who are her former handmaidens, it's Sabe, her former protectors, her former security force, who all effectively failed in their duty. Mm. They all outlived the one person that they were supposed to trade their life for in any circumstance. And so I can see how it's a crisis of faith, it's a crisis of identity, it is truly we failed at our life's purpose and for Sabe in particular, you know, you mentioned that she had this sort of inner lack of confidence and that she felt like she was never good enough. Padme makes her realize that she is not only good enough, that she is the best yeah, and rewards her for it. And that one person who gave Sabe that validation, that support, that sisterhood is inexplicably snatched away from her and... Not only that, it's your job, right? So it's your best friend in the situation, your mentor, your sister, your queen, your boss, the person that helped identify you for who you were yeah. and gave you all this validation is gone. You go pretty nuts
0: looking for them too. hundred percent. Yeah. Especially when you add all those layers and you add, they were best friends, like straight up. This is her greatest friend of all. So it is heartbreaking it's also a feature of Star Wars is the tragedy in the fantasy storytelling and how the good eventually triumphs over evil and things like that. But Padme and Sabe lived in very dark times, right? They never got to see the end of the light that is post Return of the Jedi, you know, the rebellion dismantling this evil empire, right? So, but like I, we mentioned in Padme's story, they laid the groundwork. And we did mention the Vader Callings, how you should read those. Also, if you're interested in learning more about Padme, Sabe, and the Handmaidens, I highly recommend reading their current canon novels out, Queen's Peril and Queen's Shadow. You can read them in that order as well, because Queen's Peril is the prequel. And you're going to learn everything about all these wonderful girls and also about how Padme became queen, what Padme did after becoming queen, and her relationship with Sabe. So I think it's very powerful stuff and a great story. So you should definitely check those novels out if you're more interested in this. But Aman, we got to jump into Sabe and Shatterpoint. Starting off, she is a four-point-cost character. She brings you zero force. She is a secondary unit. Her name is Sabe, the Royal Bodyguard, and her tags are Galactic Republic and Handmaiden. So similar to Padme, very little tags. She has nine stamina and two durability. And once again, just that nine health, we're we're seeing a theme here. We're having lower health pool characters in this box than some of the other characters. It makes sense, like, you know, Padme being nine is kind of still something I feel like we didn't talk about a ton, but makes her susceptible to being wounded, right? Yeah, in this situation,
1: nine for Padme is low, and I guess yeah, you're right, we didn't touch on it too much, which again adds to her fragility, especially because I think, lore-wise, she's like 14-year-old girl, slinging blaster shots, right. you know, in the palace hallways. But, you know, let's compare it to, you know, another character, like, Jango is nine, right? fifth brother is nine grex is nine so i think sabe being nine is actually one of her strengths because i think we can both agree that nine is the upper echelon of where you want your secondary characters to be
0: yeah i like that freudian slip of you mentioning fifth brother being nine as he's a support somehow with nine but absurd Uh, that man's absurd but it is a freudian (laughs) slip it's very good yeah no nine's fine on the secondary right but once again we're going to see similar to padme is not the most defensive character raw stats-wise, right? But 9 health is good.
1: Yes, I agree. Expertise-wise, for sure. But let's go through her cards. Let's do it. So, tactics, ability, loyal protectors at the start of the scene's activation. Each allied handmaiden character may dash towards an allied primary character. Surprise, surprise, the handmaidens are handmaidens. So, they are considered handmaiden characters.
0: Right. And something I got wrong the first game I played with Sabe that I'm very happy I caught right after. Of course, Sabe's got the Handmaiden tag, right? So she gets this dash as well. I think when you read it at first pass you just think, oh, move the handmaidens, you know, but it's move Sabe as well.
1: Yes, correct. You get three dashes. So good. If you're playing with that handmaiding supporting unit. At the at worst case scenario, right, it's just, I get to dash before I activate towards a primary character. At best case scenario, it's most of your strike force gets back on the point. Gets back on the point. Gets, gets to the- dash, which is cool. Very good ability and it's foe free because it's a tactics ability Yep, and really makes Sabe quite a mobile piece. Now she has an active ability called exposed flank for one force. Each character in this unit may climb. If any character ends this movement at a higher elevation than it began, they gain sharpshooter one until the end of the turn and this unit immediately makes a focus action. So spend a force, you climb and you get plus two on your next range attack as long as you end at a higher
0: elevation. That is an interesting distinction. I will mention another rules clarification I figured out with this recently, digging into this box. Each character may climb. So if you don't climb, you can just dash from this as well. Now, if you dash, you're not going to get the benefits of the sharpshooter and the focus. But still, sometimes you just need a little bit of movement in this game and sometimes the terrain's not around, right, Amon? So this is a way just to get a little bit more movement out of Sabe, I've learned as well, through the rules for him. So, the exposed plank part is sick, the climb, you know, and the theme of this, we haven't talked about it is obviously Panaka gets all these girls, ascension cables, similar to our clone commandos. So this is their climbing abilities, but also their access to the ascension cables in the lore, which is very cool.
1: And one thing I want to make a quick distinction of is when Jesse says, you can just dash, keep in mind that just to be super clear, when a character may climb, it's effectively a dash movement. And that can end at any elevation. And what Jesse is saying is that the character can just continue to be at the same elevation. You will just lose the benefit of sharpshooter and getting that free focus action, which is fine. Because again, at the end of the day, Sabe can dash off loyal protector and then dash again, right? Or climb and not increase in elevation for a force which again makes her super mobile but just wanted to clarify good that because i know some of you'll mention something in the comments you guys are out <laughs>
0: there but also too i the climb is so good because we know through many games of shatterpoint now we know how powerful climb is to set yourself up for a great advance right because now if you're at the highest elevation you could advance down to any elevation you want right with a full movement so yes it's just making Sabe awesome mobility for her absolutely if you save the force what's theme through this episode I'm on I think you're gonna want to save the force for every one of these girls to go so the force cost is getting high because we already want to do royal command every time you probably want to do exposed flank as much as possible as well when it makes sense
1: yeah and I think it kind of overcomes one of the biggest flaws that non-force users and jetpack unit characters have is that they rely on these ingress points and sometimes ingress points may be out of reach but for Sabe it don't matter because she can just Ascension cable up, which is cool. I like it a lot. gives her a lot of flexibility. And as an individual unit, let alone as part of the package, it makes her very compelling. Absolutely. Speaking of more mobility, we have coordinated assault dash. This is a reactive ability. When a character in another allied galactic public unit makes an attack as part of a combat action, before dice are rolled, this unit may use this ability. If the targeted character is within five of a character in this unit, Sabe can just dash.
0: This is really cool. It's a little bit harder to set up, but after you're at the midline onward, you're going to get this off. I still haven't cracked the code on exactly how to do this perfectly, I'm on. Also, what's tough is you get one coordinated assault trigger, right? When you're doing an attack, so you've got to make a decision. So it's like, am I using this or am I using my clones exposed or something like that? So if you're going to get back on the point, yeah, you're going to do this. But I think in other situations, you're going to probably favor the normal coordinated fires potentially that just give you conditions.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a choice, right? Because you are correct. You only get one window, and you can only do one reaction per window. I think it to be quite fascinating. There are moments where you're just going to be ripping this dash throughout the game, and Sabe's just going to be wherever she wants. And I do think you mentioned something earlier about mental load. I think this adds to that mental load because it's like, do I coordinated fire exposed? Do I coordinated fire double damage with Padme? Or do I you know, dash? Do I pin with a 212? Like, what am I doing here? Right. Do I disarm with a hand? Yeah, a it's lot. So many things to think about. But the cool thing about that is like, it's like a Swiss army knife, right? You can only effectively really pull one tool out and use it. But I think when you find the right tool for the right job, it can be very strong. And so that adds to the skill level of this box in particular, that when am I going to be dashing? Someone shoves Sabé off a point You take a shot in another character's activation, Sabe just dashes back onto that point. Like, that's huge, That's huge, yeah. That's interesting.
0: It's also adding to that mental load of the difficulty we talked about of this playing this box, which is setting up all your pieces, going in the right activation order, moving everybody at the right times. But I love that it's an option, right? But closing out her card, she has the innate ability of bodyguard. We've seen this before on the Magna Guard, which is excellent. Allied primary characters within range two and allied secondary characters within range two of Sabe have cover one. And since we've done the Magna Guards, you know, we've seen this a lot on the table and a quick rules distinction about this. This is the only instance I know of in the game thus far of cover that does not require hunker token, Amon. So even if you don't have a hunker token, your allied secondaries and primaries get cover one from Sabe.
1: That is correct. It's a good ability, it's quite powerful, and I think this allows Sabe to really flex outside of the Padme list, if you will, because, you know, I kind of alluded to this at the beginning of this card, but she's a wonderful unit as a whole, you know, even if she is the only handmaiden character on the table, she dashes, right? She gets those dashes when other Galactic Republic units make attacks, and then this specifically says primary and secondary allied characters that don't even have to be Galactic Republic. It's great. She is a wonderful secondary addition to the Galactic Republic list building and, and affiliation, if you will. And I'm very excited to see how she pans out. You know, there's been a couple conversations already if that she might be the best secondary Galactic Republic unit. Mm-hmm. And while I don't necessarily agree with that, <laughs> I think she's she's very she's good. She's
0: very good. Yeah, and we got to talk about her versatility of Retriumon because I think this is where a lot of her... Power actually comes from,
1: yeah, well, let's talk about her stanced card decoy. she's a range four seven six, five five on defense e l g three a blaster pistol for offensive ranged expertise, one crit, one expertise, two to three expertise, a crit and two strikes, four plus a crit and three strikes. pretty solid actually, combat training, one to two expertise, a crit and a damage, three plus a crit, a strike, and a damage. Defensive training, one to two, one block. Three to four, one block, turning your opponent's crit to a fail. Five plus, a block, turning a crit to a fail, and a reposition. So this is actually very similar to Padme's faith and diplomacy expertise.
0: Right. I also like that like her expertise on the pistol is even better than Padme's aggressive negotiations pistol. By a little bit, you just get a lot more strikes. What's the math on that? Like Amon said earlier, who knows, right? But very cool expertise, and I, I also like that her melee is actually pretty respectable.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because in some cases she is just the better, she has more expertise than Padme. She does, yeah.
0: And I also like the theme of them lining up because they are trying to be one and the same and she has the decoy of Padme, but she's got a little bit more output when it comes to the expertise.
1: Yeah, she's the one that has to be a little bit more combat efficient, and mm. she really does do that, which is very interesting. Interestingly enough as well as aggressive negotiations he's got the exact same 7655 5 as Padmé. Right. Too. I know. She's a very good secondary. I still think Rex beats her. I think you agree yeah, me as sure. well. Yeah, for
0: sure. I said that in the last episode, yeah. I yeah, Rex is just so solid.
1: Yeah, but she's a very close second. So, another great way to start a tree
0: <laughs> is a shove and a damage. <laughs> That's right. Especially with all these with crits and his expertise, tree. right?
1: Yeah, like it's it's so nice and it's very similar again to Faith and Diplomacy where Padme starts with that shove and the damage as well, right? So there's so many cool things with this box and, and it really speaks to their ability to really push people off points and further Padme's idea of getting supporting units onto points and, and winning despite the fact that they're wounded. So we start off with that shove and a damage and then this is where things get actually quite flexible. So we'll just take the top part because it's its own pretty much branch at that point. So we'll go to a disarm and a damage, followed by a shove and a damage, followed by a pin and a damage, followed by a shove and a damage. So you're doing five damage, two conditions, three shoves. That's really good. That is really
0: good. I think this is the more, this is the control part of her tree, right? This is to get people off the points, clear the space, right, for Padme. Get those melee people out of Padme's face, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's very annoying too, just because you're slapping pin and disarm. Love it. And you know, we're starting to get more disarm. With the inclusion of the Mace box, you know, this party's over. We started getting a bunch of Disarms. Now we have another Republic box that deals primarily in Disarms as well, in addition to Pins, which is very exciting because you can really reduce offensive damage or output towards you, which I like. But I think that is probably one of the more efficient trees I've seen in a while, and I really do like it. Now, going to the middle tree, it's a shove and a damage again from the beginning, and then we get a strain and a damage. Now, from here, we can either choose to deal two additional damage on the next tile, or we can take a very quick detour and take a reposition. Regardless, if you choose the reposition or the two damage, you then go on to the next tile, which is one damage, followed by a jump and a damage, which leads more credence to her secret spy acrobatic abilities here. So, again, in this particular tree, you can deal six damage with the strain and one shove and a jump, or you can deal four damage but get that reposition
0: yeah only four damage but think about this amount think about like how you start your train off with the dash you maybe climbed you shoved so then you followed up with the shove then you got a reposition then you got a jump this is like her like mobility path galore right and this this is one of the reasons why i think you could put points in sabay's camp that a lot of secondaries don't have outside of like some of the padawans right especially ahsoka where it's just like a lot of mobility
1: yeah, I think it's very fascinating because we talked about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in our Candid Cantina episode right. a little bit. And this is what she feels like just jumping around from building to building, backflipping, doing cool shots, taking people out is, is very cool. And theater of the mind, as you like mm-hmm. to say, which I've quickly adopted, is that's who she is, right? Like she might be 14, 15, 16 years old,
0: but she'll mess you up, man. She'll mess you up. I also like that her tree is like, quite frankly, it's not a Ton of damage, I'm on, unless you get all the way through it and it's still not like out of control. But it doesn't really matter because she's doing so many things. Like she has so many options with conditions and movement shenanigans that the opponent's probably just rendered defenseless, like messed up, anyways, right? These strains, these disarms, like you said, are huge on a hard hitting primary character, right? Yeah, massive.
1: So I like her a lot. She's definitely the most interesting character in this box for me and I guess we'll jump into the character summary here is that while there's a lot of thought and interest in the way that Padme functions right and list building planning I also do appreciate the fact that sometimes you just get characters who are just good and you can just slot them in wherever really you want to and they will always perform to a certain level if not higher right and Sabe is one
0: of those characters which is really if you want to put in the work with Sabe she's going to give back right.
1: I completely agree with you, and I just really like the fact that you can just chunk her in wherever you want, Galactic Republic or not, and she can still bodyguard, she can still expose flank, you might lose out on some coordinated assault, but she's already very mobile at that point.
0: She's a cool character, absolutely, and I'm excited to see her grow in the game. Well, it's that time, let's move on to our last unit in this box and talk about the lore of the Naboo Royal Handmaidens, so... Real quick, the handmaidens, of course, served the monarch of Nabu, the queen of Nabu. This is a custom Nabu had well before Amandala's reign. Though, once again, we talked about it in the lore of Padme. Finding that midpoint of tradition and innovation, right? And thinking outside of the box, Padme and Panaka took this concept of having like a handmaiden or two that help you out with your queenly duties, that help you get ready, that help you, you know, make your day as efficient as possible. They took that to the next level. Padme said, we need like we need six, we need them all trained, we need them all doing these different things, we need them all to be able to be a decoy at a given time. And also they took that one step further too, where certain handmaids over the years had certain hair looks or dresses, they got a little bit more individuality. Padme's group, they all wore the same dress, the flame dress, which they love to call it, it's one they kind of landed on fully. Though they did wear different dresses at a time, But the most important part of that is they all matched, and they always had their hair pinned under their dresses as well. So once again, you're losing a lot of those distinctions to kind of distinguish the girls differently from each other. Once again, Padme could dress up as a handmaiden and no one would think anything of it, right? And that's what they did. And once again, they all had different names before Padme's group, and they decided to I think it's something that came up in our episodes more recently, Amon. They decided to base all their names off of Padme's name. If Padme was going to lose her name and become Amidala, they were all going to gain a version of Padme's name based off of their original name. So like I said, Sabin became Sabe. Some of the other girls had names like that. And her handmaidens that we see in the movie and obviously in the lore were Sabe, Irte, Rabe, Sashe, Yane, and Faye. And Dane, and later we get Corday and Dorme, right, and Verse. But what's interesting about that is, I don't know. It was just like a, it unified them more, right? They all got similar names because the whole point it was trying to unify them as a unit, right? And by the end of the Naboo conflict, they were a full unified unit. But gotta love the Handmaidens.
1: We love the Handmaidens. I mean, flame dresses are awesome, and just going through and watching episode one, you never really. I guess as a child, I never noticed how often Kira and Padme are swapping. Ooh, I said, Kira, Sabe and Padme are swapping. But there are so many scenes where Kira Knightley is the queen and you can see Padme chilling in the back. And then conversely, you can see when you start looking at these stills that, you know, Sabe is right there on, you know, the left hand side or the right hand side. Like, and you can tell it's Kira Knightley, right? When she was portraying that role. So it's very cool. I do love it. And I think it did a great job to me because you know George says Star Wars is for kids, right? That's kind of for sure one of the things. And as a child, I never noticed difference.
0: When you notice in the movie when Padme steps out to Boss Nass and's like I'm actually the Queen, everyone yeah. is shocked except Panaka and Qui Gon. Everyone oh. is shocked with Panaka and Qui Gon because they figured it out. <laughs> Even Anakin's like, wait, who am I falling in love with? That's kind of the look he's got on his face. <laughs> Little nine-year-old Anakin. Because no one knew. I mean, not even Panaka's security force knew. They just knew that all the handmaids were important. Because in order to keep up the Secret Service concept, you've got to keep it as tight-knit as you can, right? So,
1: Well, let's jump into the handmaided card.
0: That's right, Amon. So starting with the Naboo Royal Handmaidens, they are a four-point-cost character. They bring zero force to your squad. They are supporting unit. That has two models, two characters. They have a stamina of eight, a durability of two, and three tags this time. They're gonna look familiar Galactic Republic, Handmaiden, and Trooper. Nothing over the top here, guys. They're just gaining the Trooper tag on top of what Adme and Sabe were building off of. Now, Amon did have to jump off the podcast here because he is hosting his family over and they arrived earlier than expected. So I'm gonna close out the rest of this. Card with you guys. So, starting off, they have an active ability called Expose Flank for one force. This one looks familiar to Sabe's. Each character in this unit may climb. If any character ends its movement at a higher elevation than it began, characters in this unit have Sharpshooter 1 until the end of the turn, and this unit immediately makes a focus action. So, you're gaining two more dice, which is great. A couple notable rules distinctions here it says each character in this unit may climb. You don't have to do it with both. This is very similar to the example we gave some time back of the clone commandos. If one of them dashes, you get the hunker, but if the other one climbs because they do have the scale feature, you're still getting the hunker because one of them dashed. This is very similar. You could just dash or keep one of these girls not moving and climb the other one to gain the benefit for both of getting the focus action and the sharpshooter turned online. So What's there to be said about this? They're shooting better when they're climbing, but once again, the terrain is not always there. So all of our concepts and discussions around Sabe's exposed flank apply to this, but you got two units to do it with, which I think is even cooler. Moving on, they have a reactive coordinated fire of disarm. When a character in another Allied Galactic Republic unit makes an attack as part of a combat action before dice are rolled, this unit may use this ability. If the target character is within five of this unit, the target gains disarm. What I like about this, listeners, is the fact that this is triggered off of Galactic Republic, same as Sabe's. So Padme's is handmaidens only. It's very powerful, two damage. But this can slot into a regular Republic list, and it's giving you access to disarm for the first time in Coordinated Fire features. And I really like that because I think disarm is slept on a little bit because it really is detrimental to those heavy hitting characters to have Disarm. Closing out their abilities, they have a a innate ability called Intercede. While this unit is not wounded, enemy characters engaged with one or more characters in this unit cannot target allied primary characters or allied secondary characters with attack. So this is the bread and butter of these characters, I believe. The fact that you can't target Padme in particular when they are around is massive. I mean, we've seen the influence of this from the Magna Guards when it's like keeping Grievous up or something like that, or protecting some of your other primaries that you choose to bring in your separatist list. It's no different, but possibly even more important because we talked about this whole episode, how fragile Padme is. And if the queen goes down, your house of cards starts to fall. So I think anytime Padme would take an attack, you might just take it on these characters. Additionally, you can also take Sabe's attacks as well, or other secondaries. Immediately, I think of something like Padawan Snips, where it's like she's such an impactful piece with her double jump and all of her acrobatic things she can do on the map. But if she goes down and that jump goes up in price, her efficacy immediately starts plummeting. So even something like the Handmaidens doing this intercede for Padawan Ahsoka is a very powerful feature. And I think it's, once again, adding to that concept we brought up this whole episode, of this decision trees you're experiencing with this list, the amount of mental load, the power of this list, if you choose the right tool for the right job. And this is another tool in your arsenal. And I think this is one of the coolest parts of the Handmaidens, that they're clones with one more stamina. I haven't mentioned that yet. They do have eight stamina, higher than any other clones. Very cool. And they also have this inner seed, which could potentially win you a game in a clutch moment. But moving on, we're going to cover their tree, which is a very simple tree called Absolute Loyalty. They have a ranged attack of range four with five dice, and they have a melee attack of five dice, and their defenses are five on range and four on melee. So they really don't love being in melee. Getting to their expertise, they have the ELG 3A blaster pistol, similar to Padme and Sabe. On one expertise, you're gonna get a strike. On two to three expertise, you're gonna get two strikes, and on four expertise, you're gonna get three strikes. On their melee expertise, combat training, kind of interesting one expertise is going to get you a strike and a damage two expertise which i think is a sweet spot for them with this expertise on melee they're going to get a crit and a damage so not the greatest expertise stats but very interesting the fact that they have auto damage and they also can sneak that crit in on the melee i find very cool and also just shows the training that panaka gave them and sabe worked with them over the years but let's get into their tree, which is a very simple tree. You have one of two starting points. So we're going to start at the top, which is a damage and a recover. Once again, we talked about how Sabe, Padme, and the Hanemans all want to stay together. I think this every time we see recovers on any of their trees, it completely feeds into this archetype and play style of just keeping the conditions off the important people, keeping the health pools at a reasonable level, and just working as a group and a unit like these characters are in lore. But inversely, you could start their tree differently. Instead of that recover and a damage, you could start off with a jump and a damage. Once again, versatility is all in this box, and they've been trained to be versatile. So if you need more mobility, you can jump and start your tree off with a jump is incredible because I also think this gets these handmaidens out of trouble when they get dug in too deep with some scary primaries. So you're going to start either one of those points, the recover and damage or a jump jumping and damage, but then you're just going to go straight down the rest of the tree, which is only four more spots, and it's very straightforward. So the next spot's going to be two damage, so now you're looking at three damage. The third spot is going to be a damage and a disarm, a little bit of synergy with disarms being in this box, and then the fourth spot is going to be a damage and a expose, and finishing their tree with the fifth and final spot, you're going to get a reposition. So you've been following along at home. The handmaidens do not do much damage. They can only do four damage going down their tree or five damage if you've got the respective expertise, but they get all these features of flexibility, conditions, and movement because of course, if you start on the bottom tree, go all the way through, you're going to have a jump, a disarm expose, and a reposition. All of a sudden, they might be scoring a point that your opponent did not think they were scoring because keep in mind they could get back to Padme or something, right? And she has that diplomacy online and now they're scoring it not only while they're healthy, but now if they get removed, they're going to continue to score that objective that your opponent didn't expect them to get. They're interesting. I think with them, something Alman and I talked about in recent episodes is I don't think you're going to play the Handmaidens without Padme or Sabe or both of them. They are one of these niche supports that really work best in their box. And I think that's a good thing. I think the theme is right. I think the power level is right. Could you run these in a regular Republic list? Absolutely. For the Interseeds alone, right? I think if you really want to keep maybe a Barris or a Soka, someone like that online, Interseed is very good, right? It's going to guarantee you get that Barris turn off and your force push does not increase in price, right? But inversely, they need the movement from Sabe. They need the movement from Padme's Royal Command. So I think they just work best in this box. Now, we've talked already in this episode how the box is going to work as a whole. I think it's very straightforward. You're going to want to move the pieces. You're going to want to go with Sabe and Amidala at the right times to get the handmaidens in position, and then you're going to go with the handmaidens and get them where they need to be. There's a lot of moving around the map and a lot of jockeying for positioning against your opponent, all the while keeping the queen alive the entire time. The queen has to stay alive in order for everything to stay working. The goal of Sabe and the handmaidens is to execute that job at the highest level. And if they execute that job, you can win the struggle, and if not, the game, because Padme is going to bring you so much with her aggressive negotiations to really help these handmaidens and Sabe get through their tree, and help these handmaidens get through their tree. Or she can do diplomacy to make the scoring rule played differently for you, which I think is very powerful and very awesome. And additionally to this, something we haven't talked about that I think has come up in this episode a lot, but worth noting, clones do not have good mobility. Clones do not have a lot of movement on their trees or anything like that. It's a lot of digging and shooting. Sabe and the handmaidens do. Padme does. So the name of the game with this list is outmaneuver your opponent and survive and score the struggle. It's a very different play style from a lot of the other Republic where it's like dive your Jedi in, get them locked in combat, shoot with clones and coordinate fire with clones from a safe place. These want to be up in the fray. Though they are fragile, they want to be up in the fray to get these repositions, these jumps, these climbs, and the scoring potential of Faith and Diplomacy off. So it's a very hard list to pilot, but if you can pilot it well, I think it's going to be very rewarding like we talked about, and it's going to win you games. I think you should play Padme. Amon thinks you should play Padme. We think she's an incredible piece in the game. And I'm really excited to see what she does for Republic in a different way, how she helps them score in a different way. Does she open up Republic in a path we've not seen yet? Time will tell. And the last bit of information I want to convey while we're here before we go to the outro is, it's going to be a call to the audience and uh, Amman and myself to call this Queen Padme. I say that fix our vernacular now because I don't imagine there's not a future where AMG does not make Senator Padme, just Padme proper. And this is the Queen. So I think we should call her the Queen now, and get prepped for, you know, not getting confused in the future when we say which Padme. But who knows? Maybe we'll never get Senator Padme. I really hope we get Senator Padme, but for now we have the Queen, and she is someone that I'm ready to get more on the table and see what she does into the game. All right. Well, that's going to close out our show. So of course, Hello there, supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Hello There patron by going to Patreon.com/slash Hello There Cast. Find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch at HelloTheircast, and email us at helloTheircast at gmail.com with any inquiries, ideas, or collaborations. And you can leave us reviews in your podcast platform of choice. It really helps us out. Help us get those Spotify and Apple Podcasts five-star reviews up. You guys have been showing up in droves, which is great. We're trying to get both of those up to a respectable number to help more people find Shatterpoint content and get into this wonderful game. Of course, we got to thank Lofield for the show's music. It's a very important feature of our show and the duality of Maul and Obi-Wan. And of course, you can find me in Amon in several spaces online. You can find me, Jesse, everywhere at the same place. That's on Twitter, Instagram, Longshanks, and Discord, all at Jesse Akin. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. Check out my show, Fury's Finest, about everything Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe and canon. You can also follow Amon on all social media at Who Games, and longshanks at amonkusro. And Amon does a podcast about Warhammer Underworlds called Path to Glory, the number one Warhammer Underworlds podcast. Give them a listen. Well, we hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. We hope we have faith in the Republic, faith in democracy, faith in the fact that we can keep this galaxy together and be more like Padme with other people in our lives and let her set the wonderful example that she set. But until next time, may the force be with you.